Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Melanson. Welcome to the Twilight After Show podcast. With me is producer Carl Wiggers and co-hosts Kristen Oakes-White and Avery Davidson. And uh, we are talking winter, even though it is uh, warmed up considerably. Well, Two back-to-back winter now. storm fronts yeah, have come through and uh, really put a dampener uh, damper on a lot of things. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of cattle deaths and damage to property that is just hard heartbreaking. I think we are at close to 700,000 dead chickens in Louisiana. 771,000 dead chickens between broilers, pullets. Three quarters of a million. Yeah. Uh, And just a lot of heartbreak with that. We just saw, um, you know, not a lot of options uh, and just a the state is just not prepared and can't handle that that kind of weather. Well, it's a story that I mean everybody saw on national news even with Texas losing so much power and that was just national headlines, but that happened also in for us in Louisiana, North Louisiana especially. It it, it was frustrating at me at times to watch like it just happened to Texas. Right. It didn't just happen to Texas, it happened to Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Alabama, yeah. Oklahoma, Arkansas. Yeah, I heard that some whenever I was shooting my story which we'll talk about later, but they were like, uh, yeah, Louisiana was hit too. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the big things was is that power or no power, places like Cross Lake, which is the intake for water for the city of Shreveport, couldn't function because the intakes were frozen. So it didn't matter if they had power. Mm. They could suck all the water. They could try to all they wanted, but it wasn't going anywhere because that stuff was frozen. That made it really difficult. I mean, of course, for the citizens of Shreveport Bossier, but also for places like Oil City, where I know uh, Marty Wooldridge had his um, cattle he was trying to bring him water. He had to, you know, bring it out and with his truck and his, you know, ATVs and things like that because he just didn't have access to the the pumps. Mm. Yeah, and that's something a lot of folks probably don't think about with these winter storms is, you know, you have water out there for cattle, it's going to freeze. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. literally had to go out there and bust the ice to get to the water so they Everybody could get to the did. water. Everybody, yeah. Everybody and, that had cattle yeah. from north, I mean, in South Louisiana too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Even, it was also that as cold as it was, they were doing it constantly. Like yes. they were going back every hour and breaking the mm-hmm. ice, which is just brutal to think about having to do that constantly. And we'll have some of that in the show. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Kristen, who while we all were sitting with or without power at the house, you also didn't have power, but you were constantly sharing on social media a lot of these farmers mm-hmm. sharing pictures you were collecting a lot of these pictures and you got a lot of video that you got into the show this week so i want to give you kudos for that because a lot of the footage we have of the storm we couldn't physically get there mm-hmm. safely at all i mean the idea of going to north louisiana where my family's at is just out of the question because the roads you sent me a text saying don't try coming up 61 oh no uh, yeah it's it, not it happening was, it, it may not have been as bad down here but i mean it was gridlock everywhere yeah. and it just that's what i think and i think people in the north laugh at us because we can't handle winter weather it's not that we can't handle it it's just that our infrastructure can't function right with yeah. it they had the dixie national livestock show in jackson and somebody that i showed cattle with i saw that they posted the interstate on jackson he said look at this it's covered they don't they, not a snow plow in sight i said mm-hmm. Where would well, why it come would, from? <laughs> yeah. Do you understand how this is a, a once in a yeah. three, four decade event? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking with Wendell Miley, our safety director at Farm Bureau, he said he remembered a storm like this when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I mean, of course, it snowed down here before. We've had ice before, but not like not in my memory have we ever seen anything like that in South Louisiana. So, however bad that was, it was really bad. And it wasn't just, you know, like an event coming through because I was in North Louisiana when we would have ice storms every now and then. But it would, but melt. not for days, yeah. right? It would melt the next day. It would melt, you know, by that night or something like that. But this was just days of it. And that's what Colin Kovac said because I asked him. Do you ever remember, at least in your time farming or in your time on Earth, an event like this? He said, we've had snow, we've had ice. He said, but for it to be this cold, this as cold as it is for this long, and then to have two storms that piled up, he said, the snow is one thing, but when you have the ice, he said, the cattle all had ice hanging from their, you know, their The sides, ears. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's, Dad said he's never seen He's never seen a weather event in his 60-plus years like this. Yeah, when I was talking to Ryan Yerby, you know, he was talking about the difference between a snow on cattle versus ice on cattle. The snow is going to melt. It's going to stay on their fur maybe a little bit and actually not really bother them much because it stays dry. It stays frozen. Freezing rain gets into the fur, turns to ice, and then starts to bring down the cow's body temperature. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's why Cullen lost so many calves. The calves would come out wet uh, as they're born. And then freeze. Yeah, and it's the, the, it all immediately begins freezing. And to hear him say, that, at first I thought, I didn't hear that right. To hear him say, since Sunday, of all of their cows that are calving, and they had 800 heifers and cows scheduled mm-hmm. that are in the middle of calving season. But to hear him say that we lost 94% of the calves that were being born. And you think, I don't, did, did you, though? Yes. When he pencils mm-hmm. out the number in that week, mm-hmm. yes, they did. And it was, I, I know that farmers like him and poultry farmers and anybody that had livestock or, you know, if you had crawfish or, but the ones that had animals out there that they needed to be taken care of, were like Cullen said, mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then, backstory there, he actually had uh, one of his own children yes, in the hospital. Yes, he added that, and I said I did not know that when at the time when he was telling me that his because and this was because the door on the barn was frozen shut, and when they finally got it loose, it swung back and hit him, shattered his femur, I think, and his they had son? to. Yeah, they couldn't get him to the closest hospital, which would have been Jackson. They had to take him to Alexandria. And he he did mention, though, that everybody, they rode an ambulance over there, had nothing. It was just his wife and his son. And Farm Bureau members that they knew from across the state in that area reached out, mm-hmm. brought him clothes. And he said, I was grateful because I couldn't be there, not only because of COVID restrictions, but because I had to be here with the weather and mm-hmm. I know it was killing him to not be there with his son because he's had to stay there for a week and but he said if it wasn't for Farm Bureau you know they wouldn't mm-hmm. have had those connections real quick let's back up because I was talking about social media nobody had power and then we got off into talking about Cullen but you wrote a story I mean I guess did Neil and, and, you, Cu- and Cullen tell me about tell me tell me how we got on the topic of Cullen like what where did well, this come from we initially gathered some of the pictures because you were seeing so many of the pictures and he we put that on the farm bureau news for that daily mail out that went out that day and he sent me a message that said if you needed pictures of 
dead calves, you should have told me because I've got a ton. And I said, well, I'm sorry about that. And he told me all about it. And so that led me to, to writing the story because between that and what was happening with the poultry houses, mm. um, I mean, that's just, you, you just don't see, a, I've never heard of that many newborn calves dying. And I think Cullen, like Jason Holmes said, that Cullen may be the worst mm-hmm. scenario, but and those chicken houses collapse and like that mm-hmm. because of the weight of the snow and the ice. And one of those chicken houses was your dad. Yeah, I was about to say oh, both of these right. stories. All, and all of them lines. were damaged. Yeah. yeah. And it was. Um, How many chicken houses does your dad have? Six. But and all of them were damaged? One totally collapsed. And then half of the house later on, half of house one collapsed. And then all of them have some sort of damage. And And there were. Uh, at last count, 200 chicken houses across Louisiana? No, that... no, it was 41 that collapsed, but 80% of all were, of damaged. all chicken houses were damaged. Had some okay. kind of structural damage. Uh, but your your mom and dad went into the one that had collapsed, correct? The, the, half of the house had collapsed, and they were um, considering how to get those birds out to maybe move them to another house. And he had just come out of that house and they were putting out hay for the cows and mom said she saw all of the cows ran immediately from the hay that they had just put out she said what on earth scared them and then all of a sudden like a domino the whole roof fell in that house Mm. so if they'd been in there and i understand why they nobody wanted to go in the houses after that happened because Mm -hmm. they were worried about i mean they're lucky that they're okay and um, I think w- what is so upsetting about this disaster between the cattle, the poultry, these are commodities that don't typically have your normal crop insurance type of situation. The poultry industry is very different. And so if it's for a soybean or a corn farmer in a hurricane, you've got, you've got some options, especially when it's a named storm. And I know that we talked about the ad hoc Mm-hmm. But there's just a lot of unknown and a lot of fear in a lot of these. And it, sh- it, it should be pointed out that we did talk to um, Kristen's dad and some other poultry farmers, but we're limited by they're limited by what they can say because of contractual obligations to these poultry houses. So it's not that we didn't want to interview them or do more with them. It's just that we also don't want to mess them up in their relationship with their, you know, what they're contractually obligated to do. So, but there was a lot of damage and, and, um, uh, you know, they, it was heartbreaking because many of the biddies couldn't, they were alive through some of this, but the, they couldn't get out to rescue some of them. You know, there was no place for some of them to go. And another situation for people that didn't have any structural problems on their farms, poultry farmers, the roads were frozen over, so the feed trucks could not get to them. Right. Uh, they could have had the frozen pipe issue. So even if you didn't have a house collapse, there were still a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah power. If you mm-hmm. have no power, power, there's no ventilation. Even after... Cause we were cold for a week, and then next thing you know, we're up into the 80s mm-hmm. three days after the cold snap ends. Typical Louisiana. Yeah, and so now you've got to cool these birds off, not warm them up. So it's, you know, one extreme to the other. Um, 
and but it wasn't just poultry houses. We had almost every hay barn up in you know the mm-hmm. East Carroll and West Carroll Parish collapse mm-hmm. because of this. And that's Tim Payne, who we work with. Right. His parents' uh, shed collapsed on top of their cars. You know, there's. Yeah. It's it's amazing what it it's all fun when it first falls snow and it, it it's amazing to me how dangerous and evil ice and snow can be. Mm-hmm. It damaged your house. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the leaking roof and that that was something I think that a lot of people, a lot of people face that issue. Mm-hmm. Jim Monroe, uh, the former assistant to the president of the Farm Bureau, he had an ice dam form on his roof, and it was holding back watering, caused a couple of leaks mm. in his roof. And we had three holes in ours. From the ice? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Well, not from the ice directly, but from ice forming on branches, the branches cracking off and falling. Fortunately, we had a major limb fall in the yard. Had that hit the house, we would have been in a lot worse shape, but... Um, uh, I mean, and that's just the story. And we escaped with such minor damage compared to to most oh, yeah. people. And it's uh, we're very fortunate. Uh, real quick, so you're talking about these kind of not niche. Carl. Carl, nothing's real quick with you, buddy. <laughs> nothing, nothing is real quick. I'm looking at the uh, meters here. I've barely talked here. I want to hear it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you talked about poultry and livestock being some being, I guess, ag sectors that don't really deal with uh insurance much Mm -hmm. the story i did this week was about nurseries and Mm -hmm. nursery crops being another one of those yeah areas that don't really have many usda programs specifically for them there are some with tree replacement and things like that but i did a story on that and greenhouses a lot of greenhouses can't take the ice either either. and uh i went to doug young nursery in forest hill where there was one i mean not just one greenhouse, but if you look under just one greenhouse that was one acre, all heated, eight or ten heaters inside that house, I think it was a half million dollar greenhouse, totally collapsed with Oof. around three two hundred thousand plants. And those plants were totaled inside that greenhouse mm. that would have been ready to sell, were ready to sell March first, the day I was out there. That would have been ready to sell on March 1st. And the only bit of color was in your video. One I, I flower. Found, I found one flower that hadn't fully died yet. The top, the one one flower had in that pot, the other had not. Um, but it was totally demolished. And it just had ice forming and weighing down. A lot of these houses are connected. They're connected by gutters. That's why it's one big open house. It's got the gutter connect house. And all this ice had formed and snow had melted down into the... Uh, the gutters and the gutters are weighed down that just was too much weight for it to bear and the whole thing collapsed and what's crazy to me was doing this story was everything in that building was lost and then all the stuff that were in the other buildings even if it had just a small like rip or a small uh, uh, a minor collapse or whatever within one of the smaller hoop house type houses it was that cold. It was that cold, but even the smallest something that gives some kind of opportunity for air to get into those houses killed every plant. I mean, it was just a lot Horrible. of these plants that were in houses are in houses because they can't handle cold. And you have to repeat that story how many times in Forest Hill? Because that is like nursery capital of oh, Louisiana. There, there are oh, yeah. more than 200 nurse- nurseries in Forest Hill, and that's just Forest Hill. I think Glenmora, there are other communities around that have a ton of 
greenhouses. Um, Samantha Young is one of the nursery owners there at Doug Young Nursery. She's part of that family that owns that and runs that nursery. And they have a few nurseries and a wholesale business. They're, they've got a lot going on there. But she told me of a neighbor who has either 50 or 45 greenhouses. And that nursery lost all but two houses. Wow. Totally gone, collapsed. I mean, all the plants in those houses gone and lost. And, like, a lot of these are in, like, three-gallon, five-gallon plants, which take two or three years (laughs) to get to that point. They showed me some uh, palm trees that were Mm. 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Totally gone. Crepe myrtles and all the, yeah. I mean, we just rode. I rode around with. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. We no rode, I rode with um, Samantha's mother, Marsha, who just pointed me up. Oh, those are all my sweet olives. They're all dead. Just pointing out just massive beds full of three gallon pots, just dead, gone. And some of she's like, even this, that you think that looks alive? Let's get out and look. And she got out and looked, and every piece of bark is split, mm-hmm. which is a sign of it's just, it's done. Dead. No. And I was just like, I was just heartbroken for them because it's not a, not only are is all this inventory lost, but this is prime time. People want plants right. now. And they have hardly anything to give the, their customers. So now where do those customers go? They go find somewhere else that has them. And she's like, well, do we get our customers back <laughs> next year, the year after that? And it's going to take them years to really and, get all this product back. And the only good news there is that due to the widespread nature of the damage across this so-called green belt, you know, through Louisiana and into Texas, because if you drive down I-10, you see all those palm tree houses. All those were affected by the mm-hmm. cold weather. They had the same issue going on. And so um, because it's so widespread, everybody has a chance to rebuild and, and redo it at the same time because yeah. it's not like their neighbor, our neighbors in Texas are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um my story this week was with Clegg's Nursery, and uh, they fortunately escaped damage from for their greenhouses and are able to grow. But they don't grow everything on site, and they did use Forest Hill for some products, which they're not going to be able to utilize because of that damage. Uh, they were very busy the day I went out there, and um, their big thing, I talked with um, Elena Fennell, who's one of the co-owners and their, their uh, color division head, and... She says another big thing they've been working with the LSU Ag Center, if you have damage in your yard, to not necessarily go out there and start clearing house, that you need to see what's alive. And some things, I mean, of course, pruning is there, but you want to make sure that uh, you see what's truly dead. And it's going to take another week or so to to really parse all of that out in yards across Louisiana. Because um, some things may have survived, some things poked up, like um, our... um, uh, lilies of the Nile are starting to come up in our yard, and uh, uh, that's you know it's just one example of things that might not be dead. Real quick, you're talking about that delayed, uh, either fully dying or mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah, it being takes dead. a while to tell. One of the things that, from my story, I didn't even say a minute ago was the number of what they they think is lost at Doug Young specifically, nurse, Doug Young Nursery specifically was somewhere between 62 and 65 percent of their inventory is gone. And they expect that number to rise to about 75 or 80 
percent. What I hate is the managerial stuff that they've got to do because, I mean, they're in the same boat. They have to first rebuild the greenhouses and then begin to stock them before they can grow. No, they first have to take that thing apart. Right, right. Clear the damage. Right. Video. It's a labyrinth of like just mess. Yeah. I mean, and they have electrical wires, which they got all that killed, but like it's just a mess. They have to take the greenhouses apart, which is a one-acre house. Take no that small one drawer. apart, remove all the plants, and save what containers they can. I mean, there's no telling what the the labor involved in just that is, and then they got to rebuild. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and hope I, they get some insurance money to put all this back together. So God, I feel for them. It's a mess, but it, I tell you one thing I would highly recommend, and my wife and I are going to do it as best we can, is go shop with them and not just them, but anyone in those type of mm-hmm. nurseries because they need any business they can get once they have some product to sell because that's what they're, I mean, mm-hmm. they're depending on this year just to get to be able to replant. Right. If you love gardening or landscaping or anything like that, it's worth it to take a trip to Forest Hill and just, you know, say, you know, okay, we need these big things or whatever and load up, you know, and get what you need there. The prices are really, really good. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of good deals there in Forest Hill and the variety and it plus it helps. I mean, that money goes directly to what are essentially farm families. Yeah. They're they're out there, they're farming landscape. And they uh it, it's an experience if you don't if you've never been, you start driving through woods and all of a sudden you see nursery 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 you look at it from google maps and mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of a trip to see all that and it's middle a beautiful of, area the middle of nowhere is what it, i mean it's, it's what it feels like whenever you drive there yeah. Like, yeah yeah uh but yeah you come into like this oasis of oh there's mm-hmm. this tree these very specific this nursery only does large trees and this nursery only does you know fruits or well, i mean it's it's crazy how they that 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 little area of the world operates mm-hmm. it's it's a really cool thing so if you can support those guys because they need all the help they can get from from us uh commissioner strain was there whenever i was there and he's oh shop local mm-hmm. <laughs> never has that been more important for that community yeah. than, than now so. i know randy bracy's going to be busy trying to supply he's one of the mm-hmm. our, our growers but he's a supplier so he's going to be stupidly busy trying to get all that product out to people over the next month or so and then another group who really will need our support in the coming months are crawfish farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had started out already with a, a slow season because of cold temperatures, and then to have this come in uh, right at the, the peak of demand. I mean, we're in the Lenten season now where, you know, we do our penance by having weekly crawfish boils. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's... Not exactly suffering. But, <laughs> yeah, you know meatless Fridays right. uh, <laughs> but you know they re- they've been hit hard by the COVID pandemic last year now they're being hit with weather that is bringing down the supply now that from what I understand if you know people mm-hmm. if you know people you can still get mm-hmm. good sized crawfish is yeah. that right Mr. Malosso that is in fact correct are uh, you using and abusing your position within the this week in Louisiana agriculture for your own personal benefit there was definitely no abuse it was all <laughs> use uh, I talked with uh, Bill Pizzolatto because I wanted to help support you know crawfish the producers and see what it was like and I wound up buying some we bought um, 20 pounds of crawfish over the weekend 
they were delicious and um, they're they're a good size but it just shows the, the, the great thing about Tony's there Bill Bill's uh, the manager there at, at Tony's his son Darren has works there as well and they um, uh, they buy directly from crawfish producers we've done stories with them before and so they're one of the ones you can really support and know your dollars are going into the community and knowing they're going to Louisiana farmers mm-hmm. but they're struggling they're struggling to find suppliers and it's kind of not ironic but literally the week where demand is starting to peak and the beginning i guess of, of Bad that timing. season <laughs> yeah is exactly when literally the storm catches came, came to a, a dead halt you know, there's that that meme going around with uh, the Pennywise from It, where he's you know has that sign for dollar seven ninety seven you know a pound crawfish, and he lures people down into the <laughs> the, the sewer with that. And so it's uh, uh, and you know I get that people want that cheap crawfish; they're used to it from seasons past. But right now, especially, the supply's not there, and that's why the prices are double that. And on top of that, right now. Our crawfish farmers need it they in need order it. to survive. I mean, they're having the same input costs, meaning labor, meaning bait, meaning traps, meaning fuel. Mm-hmm. Whether the, whether they catch one sack per acre or twenty sacks per acre, that cost remains the same. Yeah, and, and it's the same situation with landscaping, poultry, cattle, another industry that does not have a solid crop insurance mm-hmm. right. program. Yeah, so. It's just ironic that all of these industries that were hit so hard are the ones that don't have much to fall back on. Right. Avery, you did a story with Ryan Yerby actually last week mm-hmm. who has row crops but also cattle. Mm-hmm. What – I mean, what you spent the day with him. What, tell me what, what, was that, what was that about? What was that like? Well, you know, Ryan is very in touch with the entire community there in Grant Parish. And a lot of the time that we were talking off camera, he was actually talking more about his neighbors than he was himself, uh, talking about Robert Duncan, Mm -hmm. about how many cattle he lost, uh, talking about, uh, you know, other folks he knew who had structures that that fell. Um, For him, uh, what he's worried about is he's worried about his wheat crop, which he actually I mean, planted yeah. winter wheat. Not you know, wheat prices had been horrible for so long, and now what we're looking at uh, six forty six and a half wheat right now, and that's a pretty decent price compared to some others. So he planted one hundred fifty acres of winter wheat. Well, this was the time when the 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 head would begin to form in the plant, and so he doesn't know whether or not it's going to produce a crop or not. And then this is also the time in which he would normally fertilize it. Well, mm-hmm. one, do you do you put that money you behind money bad? Into it? Right. Or the other problem is he can't get into the field because it's too darn wet. He's mm-hmm. been wet since November uh, because they've had consistent rains there in Grant Parish. Uh, cattle-wise, uh, he lost a couple of calves and, uh, you know, that – the line he used in the story it's heartbreaking because you see this lone mama cow in the field and you know what you're going to roll up on you're going to roll up on the calf dead there and that's heartbreaking the other thing is you pointed out the price for wheat we've got the prices up for commodities right now live cattle for april is about a dollar 20 a pound for cattle so you sell those calves at what two three hundred pounds uh, yeah, you'll be three well, to four you know, weight. You, to, uh, you might, you'll probably go to three to four, right. four to five weight. So 
uh, you know, calculate that damage and look at somebody like um, Cullen, who's law, who lost 16, 17 head at last no, count? No, it was 24. North of, north of over 30. Over 30. Over 30. So multiply, you know, $1.20 times just like a conservative estimate of 300 times 30 cattle. But on top of that, the ones that did survive, mm-hmm. you had one of two scenarios. The ones that they could get in there and save that were on the way to dying. A, the mother might not take them back because once you, it's like any other wild animal, once you put your hands on them, or they, they just won't take them back if they've been far enough away from them for enough time. Every single one of them that they brought in to try to warm up and save, which were most of the ones that were born in that week, mm-hmm. he said they gave them each a bag of colostrum because that's the first thing you get mm-hmm. once they calve and they nurse the cow. He said that's $25 a bag for every calf. So all of the ones that were born, he said then if the mothers don't take them, they've got to bottle feed them. He said and if you bottle feed a calf until it gets to the point to sell it, he said that's a, a losing proposition because mm-hmm. that's just and, – and, and these calves are never going to weigh what a healthy calf born – that weaning weight is going to be much lower. Um, I'm trying to remember. I was talking to Jason Holmes. He mm-hmm. brought up about weaning weights being down. So this is not a problem. This ice storm is not something that hits is over. and there it's over. No, this is going to linger for years possibly for some folks because mm-hmm. you're going to have stressed cattle that are not going to be as productive. You're going to have uh, greenhouses that may not go into production for another six months maybe not another year and then you're going to have some poultry growers i'm afraid who are going to say you know what enough it's not worth it i can't do this anymore it uh, i i'm paying off my bank loan and i'm going to bulldoze this because it's i can't do this anymore it it, it's so much of an expense Mm -hmm. because when you built that chicken house it might have been two hundred thousand dollars rebuilding it now would be half a million easy and and then they make you renovate every so often mm-hmm. so you have to get a loan for that and so yeah to upgrade keep them. them essentially you have to keep rebuilding them so right. you stay even if even if you have the those houses are 10 15 years old you stay in debt they keep you in debt because they mandate that you have those renovations that's kind of a good place to end because one of the things that we ended the show with was the boost where Kristen tries to find some way to take this entire show of yeah. disaster and somehow li- lift us up and s- leave us with a good note. And you had a really, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't have the script in front of us, but your sentiment was why in the world are they still doing this? And I guess what's your, what's your answer to that, Kristen? <laughs> I if guess you're, I'm, you're married to it. You're born into yeah. it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I'm ashamed, I guess, for doing all of these videos that explain why farmers do this. And so many times during that week, I questioned watching what dad was going through. Why are we in this business that feels like it's always at odds, whether it's a hurricane for row crop farmers or something like this? And I said, I I just I don't understand. I don't understand why. And I was ashamed for thinking it. And then I saw a post on Facebook from one of my good friends that I show cattle with. And she said, 
they'll do it a hundred times again over again because it's who they are and it's true and I'm I just lost sight of that for a minute but it was a reminder of while we were all we might not have had power this week when this was happening and everybody couldn't get to the grocery store everybody struggled at some point in Louisiana I'm sure that week but to look at all of these livestock farmers um that they were out in it and they weren't doing it because their boss was telling them to or those animals that are part of their herd are not just animals they're their lives it's their job to take care of them and it's in their blood to take care of them it's what they love to do it's why they chose this career and so this is just a way to honor and celebrate that that week was pure hell for them and they do it because they care about putting food on our tables and we should appreciate that and they take a lot of pride in that that's yeah. what yeah it, it's something easy to ignore mm-hmm. i think and whenever i was reading the script today sorry and t- Kristen, way to, way to just really lift us up yeah thank you for that <laughs> but as <laughs> well, i was, I was reading explaining the script, how i got to that point yeah i Thanks. mean i as I was reading the script, I was like, it never fails to blow my mind that that's what they do. And they do mm. it maybe with some grumbling, maybe not, but they do it. And they go out and hit it head on, just like you said in the script and like you just said now. And Christian's right about the, the love for it, you know, but that love comes with a lot of stress, mm-hmm. a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, as we go through this show, uh, March is, I, I think March is Mental Health Awareness uh, Month, isn't isn't that right? I know this is Agricultural Safety, Safety Awareness. Awareness Week. And one of the things they're week. focused on in that is mental health Correct. Kind of stuff. And we've seen a lot of a lot of that um, uh, as part of this awareness because it's it it is. And and one of the things one of the experts pointed out is that um, mental health is not like a point where you are either crazy or not. That's not what it is. It's not, um, it shouldn't be thought of that. It is the daily total grind. You know, everybody's gone through the experience of doing something that they've always done. And one day it's just hard to do that same chore over one more time again. That's what taking care of mental health is. And our farmers just do it. And and the love sometimes of it isn't enough. So you've got to appreciate. That's why we say buy local, because every customer that they get, every amount of, you know, interaction and dollars that they can they can get there on the farm keeps them going and keeps the food on your table. Well said. I mean, the only thing I I was going to add to that is the reality is if we didn't have Kristen's dad growing chickens. If we didn't have Ryan Yerby, Robert Duncan, Marty Woldridge, and all the other cattle producers in this state growing cattle so that one Carl Wiggers would have a brisket to uh, mm-hmm. to grill on his Traeger. And, it, and Carl's dad, Scott, growing the grain that feeds all those right. cattle. And we didn't have the, we didn't even talk about our produce farmers out toward Ponchatoula. Mm-hmm. Uh, who got hit hard with this freeze and trying to grow a good crop of strawberries. If we didn't have all of those folks doing that, 
we would be doing that mm -hmm. for ourselves. Yep. We would not have the jobs we have. We would not have the teachers teaching our children. We would not have the college professors. We would not have the the lawyers, the, the legislators, doctors. we wouldn't mm -hmm. have the doctors because we would all be too busy trying to grow our own food to feed ourselves and our families. And you know what? They're doing it for all of us. And we have to appreciate that and we have to support it. And if you think it's easy enough to do it on your own, try it. <laughs> Just plant you a little garden. Yeah. A lot of people are finding out about that. The one thing for my story is they're seeing a lot of uptick in young people growing gardens. Mm -hmm. And just growing a garden by itself is hard enough as it is. And it's and expensive. So it's expensive. It yeah. costs money to, Wait, to, to we got to pay for the, the soil and the plants and what? the fertilizer. and the, Yeah. <laughs> but when you're successful at it, try uh -huh. eating all those tomatoes. Yeah, try it's, eating it's all of those tomatoes. Try yeah. eating all those peppers, Kristen. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody, Carl, Avery, Kristen. Uh, Kristen, thank you for your candid explanation of that. That was great. Sorry. No, nothing to apologize, <laughs> apologize. for. Uh, on behalf of everybody, uh, this is the Twilight After Show podcast. We'll see you next time. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring <laughs> your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 